0: Let's give it up for for Tim and Damien. God gets the glory, and it is amazing to be part of a movement of people who are generously investing week after week, month after month, into other people to see God work. Jesus came to set the captives free, and we get to see that here Every year when he sets people free from addictions, but we also see him set people free in marriages that seemed like they were hopeless, in their finances, in their soul, and in their eternal life. And you've joined us for a series called Better. And really what this is about is the reality that in Jesus, while it's not a promise if you believe in him that you'll never have problems again, Jesus does make our lives better. He said, I've come that you might have life and have life to the full. And this is incredibly practical. In fact, it doesn't get much more practical than this week. We're talking about your job. How do you be better at your job? How do you get a promotion? How do you know that you're in the right job, where you're not just kind of clicking away the hours and getting a paycheck, but you're actually building a career? So I want you right now, just think about your life, your job, your career. Even if you're a retiree, think about what is my vocation? What am I doing with my time? If you're a student, think of that right now as your job. What are you preparing for? What are you going to spend your life doing? Uh, If you could know from the word of God how to find the dream job, the career that's right for you. If you could know from the word of God when you're in a job and you're wondering, is this the right thing for me? How to get God's wisdom about that. If you could learn from the Word of God, if you own a business, how to bring in more customers, have more satisfied employees, would you want to know these things? Well, believe it or not, the Word of God speaks directly about these things. And we're going to wrap all those questions up with this. How can you make your work more rewarding? And we mean rewarding in two levels. I mean, we know that life is eternal. It's not just about this life. It's not just about money. We mean more fulfilling, and you expect that because you're in a church. But believe it or not, these principles from the Word of God, they also mean more rewarding as in probably more pay, more enjoyment as you go about doing the one thing that you will do more than anything else in the waking hours of your life. Did you know that? For the hours of your life that you're awake, one thing you'll do more than anything else is work. And so you might as well be intentional about it. You might as well be doing something you're fulfilled at. What if you could leave here today knowing practical things that you could put into practice tomorrow that will make your work more rewarding this week? Well, believe it or not, this is where the Bible, which is God's love letter to us, Begins. Check it out. Genesis chapter 1, the very first verse of the Bible says this, in the beginning, God created. That's right. God is working. That's the start of the story. God is working. You see, it's God's nature to work. And you know what's interesting about this? It doesn't say, in the beginning, God printed money. Because we have this kind of misconception right now that money is wealth. Money is is paper that represents something. And right now it's faith in a government that will back it up. But paper, you can print paper and it's monopoly money. Zimbabwe tried it. Venezuela tried it. For that paper money to have actual value, it has to be connected to a culture and an economy that has actual value. And God created And he brought about the resources that produce actual wealth, land and animals, food and sunshine. God didn't just print money, he created wealth. God created wealth, and you might say, well, John, he's God. So does it really count as work? Well, look at chapter 2, verse 2. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. God worked for six days. He rests on the seventh, and then in case we missed it, it says it again. He rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So God didn't have to work, but it's his nature to work. God didn't need a paycheck, but he decided, I'm going to create in a way that gives life, in a way that... That brings fulfillment and value to others. This is the nature of God, and the overarching principle here is this. If you work merely for money, you'll never have enough money. And that's true whether you make $100,000 or if you make $100 million. If you're just in it for the money, guess what? You'll never have enough money. A million seems like a lot, and then if you're just in it for the money, you get there and you're as oh man. Actually, boy, some of these people I see have 10 million, and you get there, you will never have enough money if you're just working for the money. On the flip side, create something valuable. Show up every day to work and know I'm contributing a good or a service or a product that brings value to someone else's life. If I'm an electrician, I'm not there just to get paid and get in and out. I will know that this family's gonna be warm in the winter because I did my job. You understand the idea of creating value? And we can apply that in in literally every field of work. You go with the mentality that says, I'm creating value. Someone's gonna have a great vacation or they're gonna be able to send their kids to college or whatever else it is. I'm actually bringing value into the world and you will generate actual wealth. And this is, this is multiple subpoints under wealth. I know you're thinking money, and believe it or not, it applies to that. But wealth, according to God, is way more than money. It's enjoyment of life. Being able to take a day off and rest like God did after six days. Work merely for the money and you'll never have enough. Create something of value, and you'll be surprised at the wealth that accumulates true wealth. So I'm going to give you now six incredibly practical insights from the Word of God for your day job. And here's the first one. Find a vocation. What's a vocation? It's something that uh, it might take a few years to figure it out, but once you figure it out, it's like, this is what I do. I'm gifted at this. Find a vocation that uses your gifts to help others. And this might look really humble in the eyes of a materialistic world. But you have a gift that God implanted into you to help others. You guys, in the the natural order that God created, if there's no uh, birth control or abortion or anything else, that the population naturally comes out to be about 50% men and 50% women. It just naturally happens. God built that in. In the same way, every gift that is needed in the world, gifts of accountants, gifts of visionaries. Gifts of garbage truck operators, gifts of every single kind of gift, God puts it in the population and he's put a gift in you. You find your gift and you say, I'm going to do this diligently and I'm going to show up not just for the paycheck, but because I'm working for God and what you will do in the process after weeks of that, months of that, years of that, you will build a career, not just a job, but a career, a meaningful career. What does it mean to help others? Well, a really practical way to ask this is this. Is what you're giving or producing, is it something that people would pay for? If it's not something people would pay for, it's probably not worth that much. You're probably not helping them as much as you think. Now, interestingly, I think we can all think through our lives and we can think of the difference of an employee who's doing this, who maybe gives us our food at the drive through and we're like a big inconvenience to them. They had to look up from their phone to give us our food. And, you know, that's the worst case scenario. Or the best case scenario, you're at the Ritz-Carlton of fast food, which is Chick-fil-A, because of the way they train their managers, the way they train their employees. And that employee's out there, and it's negative 10 degrees, and they're standing out there with an iPad, and they're smiling, and they're making you feel special, and they get done with your order, and they say, it's my pleasure to serve you. Well, they were trained that way, but that training, which, by the way, came from a follower of Jesus who started that company, comes from this philosophy that we're here to help others and we're going to do this diligently as unto God. Now, I've got kind of a comical scenario, okay? If you're super serious, just bear with me here. I want you to use your imagination for a moment. I want you to imagine that you've got an elementary age boy named Ryan, He's either your son or your grandson or if you want, your nephew. And uh, it's his birthday. And you've been you know, buying some stuff online and you've been planning this birthday party and it's the day of the party. So uh, you wake up, you get Ryan off to school and you open the box that came in the mail. Ryan's way into Batman. You had bought him a Batman backpack. So you open the box so that you can wrap the gift and, and here's what you find. The backpack says Batman on it, but the picture is of Superman. You think, oh my goodness, someone did not do their job. This is frustrating. We're gonna have to do a return, but I guess I'll wrap it anyway. He's gotta open something. You're hungry, so you decide to go get some food. And you're in the drive-thru, and the person who's taking your order asks, would you like cheese on that? Yeah, yeah, sure, cheese, sounds good. So you get cheese on it, you pull through the drive-thru, you pull into a parking spot, you rip the lid off because you're really hungry, and you open it up, and here's what you find. They literally put cheese on it, and you you think, well, I could go back through, but then you realize now with this level of service, I'm probably going to be waiting 20 minutes, and I'm going to have to explain to them, by the way, the cheese goes under the bun on top of the meat, so you just eat it as is, and you head over to the deli, the bakery, where you've put in an order for Ryan's birthday cake. And Ryan, you know, kind of sentimental, you've got some Sesame Street characters on there, and it's just going to say, happy birthday, Ryan. But what happened is one employee wrote down the order number, CK543C, and the next employee picks up the paperwork, being careless and thoughtless, writes the order number on the cake... Instead of happy birthday, Ryan. At this point, you're pretty frustrated, but you're like, what can we do? Ryan's going to have a birthday cake that says CK543C. So yeah, you get home, and there's another package on your doorstep. And you're all good. These are the party favors for the kids who are coming to Ryan's birthday. We're going to have a little competition, and everyone's going to get a medal. First place, second place, third place. And you open up the medals, and I think you guys know where this is going. At this point, you get this nice bronze medal that says thirst thirst at this point you're so frustrated you're like i just got to get some exercise because i'm going to just lose my mind so you're a cyclist i don't know if you knew you're a cyclist but you are now in this scenario You decide to go for a bike ride and just let off some steam, and apparently that day someone at the city had said, hey, we need to put out some big signs that say, give space to cyclists, because people are getting hit by cars, and so you go out, and you're on your bike ride, and you pick this road, because it's got a nice big bike lane, and you're riding, and whoever's job it was to put the sign up (laughs) to give space for cyclists, put it right in your way. You're like, my life cannot possibly be going this bad, so uh, you go sit down on a a bench, and the bench happened to be placed by some really, really thoughtful workmen who placed the bench right here. You limp your way home, and you're like, okay, I've got one more present to wrap for Ryan. Ryan's way into tarantulas. You ordered him a, a pretend tarantula from Animal Planet, and you open it up, and sure enough, it says tarantula on the box, but cockroach or something else, and it all kind of wraps up this way. You've been texting a friend all day about just how frustrating all this is, and the friend said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you over some food, going to get you some takeout Chinese, and you eat the food. You're like, for once, something went right. Then you get to the fortune cookie, and the fortune cookie, the fortune did not make it inside the cookie, but it summarizes your day pretty well, because ironically, it states the job is well done. I think we chuckle because in the last year and a half, we've all had some of these moments, some of this level of service in the world that we live in now. It seems like the bar's getting lower and lower. But I want you now to flip the script. I want you to imagine a day where every interaction you have with your student's teacher, uh, with a retail worker with customer service. Every interaction you have is a person who has that Chick-fil-A type training and that mentality that says, it's my pleasure. I'm here. I woke up today, not just to get a paycheck and get my hours in, but when I'm on the clock, I'm here to serve you. What kind of a day would that be? And then the question for all of us, which kind of world do we want to be a part of? And which kind of world are we contributing to, well, that leads to the second God insight for your day job. And it's this, work to help others for God. Do that diligently and you will be rewarded. It is not always immediate that day, but you show up and you say, I'm here to help others. I'm here to do it for God. I'm going to do it diligently. You will be rewarded. I'm not just showing up to survive a shift or get a paycheck. I'm actually expressing the nature of God when I do this. I'm serving others for the God who loves them. And I'm serving others because I believe what God says about me, that he created me to be a creator, to be a worker. Look at Genesis 2, when God creates humans, man and woman, in his image, And he says this, the the verse says man, but this is true of both Adam and Eve. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Now this is before Satan, this is before the fall, and God says to both Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, rule and reign over it, name the animals, pick the fruit. Now the difference is, after sin, thorns came in. And God says, now you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. So the toil of our work, the fact that it is labor, that is part of the fall. But the fact that we were created to produce in a way that brings life and value and help to others, that was pre-sin, pre-the fall. You're made in the image of God. You're made to produce. You're made to help. And so you invite God in to the mundane moments of your work. No matter what your work is, in the most boring moments of it, you can invite God in. Genesis tells us that before sin, Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. Noah, who spent decades building that ark, walked with God, we're told. You can walk with God no matter what your vocation is. You invite him into the little moments. You invite him to give you his motives about it. Colossians 3 says this, whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart. So, if you're at Crew Car Wash, you're there and people are coming through and you're doing it with all your heart because you're a follower of Jesus. If you're checking in patients, you're triaging, you're a pharmacist, you're doing it with all your heart. You're teaching students, you're preparing legal briefs, you're sending emails, you're doing it with all your heart. You're folding laundry. You're a retiree and you no longer need to work for the paycheck, but you say, God, how can I use my skills in a vocational way where I don't need the money, but it helps others and you do it with all your heart as working for the Lord. So whether your boss appreciates you, acknowledges you or not, you're working at a higher level, not for human masters. It is the Lord Christ who you are serving. This is a mentality that will transform your career. Next insight from God for your day job is that you can find the divine spark in the daily grind. As you find what God has wired you to do in the world, and as you walk with God and you say, I'm going to work with all my heart, you can find the divine spark in the daily grind. And it leads to a life of purpose. Take a healthy pride in your work. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your strength. Now, what I would suggest to you is if you've never done it before, you could decide this today. You just say, I'm going to decide this about my character. This is who I am. Anything I do is going to be done well. If I'm working at Burger King or at Chick-fil-A, I'm not just taking orders and handing out bags of food. I'm not just dropping fries in the oil. I'm feeding people. I'm nourishing their bodies. If I'm teaching, I'm not just grading papers and making it through another day where all these kids are going crazy, but I'm raising a generation. And as these kids are getting crazier and crazier because they're not getting a lot of structure and leadership at home, it frustrates me. But man, what I'm doing is that much more important. They need some structure. They need some leadership in their lives. If my vocation is in the home, I'm not just doing laundry and making meals. I'm nourishing. I'm caring. I'm raising a generation i'm providing for others if i'm an electrician i'm heating someone's dwelling place so they're warm in the winter i'm giving them light if i'm in sales i'm not just getting a sale or getting a commission i am transferring something of actual value to someone else who actually needs it or will benefit from it if i'm a business owner or a manager I'm thinking about, am I actually bringing value to my customers? And I'm also thinking about, am I doing this in a way that provides for my employees? I'm providing. That's the nature of God, to create, to actually generate wealth for the enjoyment of others. If I work for the city or the state or the government, I'm not just there to put in my years so I can get my pension. I'm there to serve. used to be called public servants. And I'm working as unto the Lord. Each day, I'm contributing to something bigger than what a lot of my coworkers see around me. Now, I'm going to step away from the Word of God for a moment, because what I'm about to share with you is economic history, but it's more what I've read about economic history. It's not directly out of the Word of God, and it's this. If you were to study the history of humanity, if you were to ask an economist who's a historian What was the greatest era of wealth generation, actual creation of wealth? They would say that it was uh, about the 1860s to the 1960s here in the United States and in the other Western nations. You know what the Western nations have in common? Christianity. In that era, here in the United States, if you surveyed people, we know this because Gallup did it, 94% of Americans said, I'm a Christian. It's still in the upper 60%, but the point is this, little boys like Andrew Carnegie and Henry Ford and Thomas Edison, they were raised in churches that had Sunday schools. Those churches were not perfect, and I'm not saying those tycoons are perfect, okay? But here's the thing, they were taught what I'm teaching you week after week. It was called the Protestant work ethic. And so you had a culture that valued hard work that helps others. In fact, every year in the U.S. since the 1950s, there's a survey done of college freshmen. And the survey is really to figure out what are the values of the incoming generation. In the 1960s, the top values were, I want to find my job, I want to work hard, I want to be successful so that I can help others and contribute to society. If you ask college freshmen today, and this is not their fault, this is the world they're growing up in, the top values are, I want to be rich and I want to be famous. Now, if you're a Burger King manager and you've got 15 high school students who've been raised to believe they were created in the image of God to help others and that hard work glorifies God and expresses the image of God, or you've got another shift and their only goal in life is to be rich and famous and they just have to get through this job so they can strike it rich somehow, which crew do you want working for you? You multiply that out by an economy, you multiply that out by an entire nation, and a lot of the degrading of the quality of service that we're experiencing is actually just one implication of the changing values of the nation. Now, we can sit around and we can gripe about that, or we can say, hey, we are called to be lights in the darkness. And the point is this, as a follower of Jesus, as the level of service and quality gets lower and lower in the culture of the United States you should be a diamond in the dirt in your workplace. You should stand out to your manager. You should stand out to the owner. You should stand out to your boss because they know she's gonna show up and she's actually gonna be thoughtful. She's not gonna put the cheese on top of the bun. She would never let a tarantula leave the factory uh, and it's actually a cockroach. As you choose motives of service and you invite God in, Start dreaming big about how he wants to use you in the world. And that's the next God insight. Do not despise humble beginnings. Don't despise humble beginnings. You might think, oh, what I do is is so meaningless. It's so pointless. Not if you look at it the way that God looks at it. And God will bless as you give him your motives and you work unto him. Now it's up to him how he blesses. He might bless in a way that a lot of people look and say, wow, you're blessed, or he might bless in a way that at the end of your life, you're fulfilled and you've got rich relationships and you have former customers who actually love you and want to hang out with you because you valued people. It's up to God how he blesses. But the point is this, don't despise a small beginning. And I'll give you a couple practical examples of this, because I know some of you are here and you're new to church and you're like, well, of course, he's going to say, you know, do it for God. God blesses you. It's all in heaven. But you never see any of it in this life. Actually, I would suggest that these principles and principles from the books of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, if your goal is just to make money, you can leverage principles in the word of God to make yourself millions of dollars if that's your top priority in life. Now, we'd tell you there's better things to make your top priority in life But you could actually leverage these principles merely for money if you wanted to. Do them as unto God, and you're going to get a lot more than just money. Let me give you a a couple examples of not despising small beginnings. Uh, I've got a buddy who's got a catamaran like this, uh, a yacht out in the Virgin Islands. His story is that he was a first-generation immigrant, never went to college, started working with his hands, became a tradesman to make A specific kind of auto part, and then as his company grew, he started making airplane parts as well, and that company grew, and now he's a multi-multi-millionaire, but he never set out to be a millionaire. He just set out to do that trade really well. Uh, Incidentally, a a buddy of mine who's a pastor texted me and said, hey, I'm going to the Virgin Islands, and he sent me this picture, and I said, oh, you got to tell me the story about this guy because I'm guessing it's similar to my buddy who's the first-generation immigrant. He said, well, yeah, here's where he started. Him and his brother had nothing. They, they couldn't afford to go to college, but the neighborhood that they were in had trash all over the place, and the people in the neighborhood wanted to get it cleaned up. So he and his brother pooled everything they had, and they bought one garbage truck. They bought one garbage truck, and they started providing that service of value to the people who needed it. They billed them very reasonably, but they were able to take their profits and buy another garbage truck and another. They did that for 20 years, and then this big publicly traded company, Waste Management, came along and said, hey, we'll give you $20 million for your fleet of garbage trucks and your operation that you've built. The guy said, sure, sounds good. Sold it and went right away, found another neighborhood that wasn't served, did it all again in 10 years, and sold that one for $30 million. Here's the point. You can be in the garbage business. You can be in any business and say, I'm going to do this to actually serve people. I'm going to do it as unto God, and I'm going to do it as well as I can. And I'm not saying that you're guaranteed to be a millionaire, but you're guaranteed to create wealth as God defines wealth, wealth in relationships, wealth in fulfillment. And sometimes you might be surprised when you make these your motives, even in this world. I love Zechariah 4 verse 10. God says this, do not despise these small beginnings At this point, the temple had been torn down, and a small group of people said, we're going to rebuild God's house, and I just love the second half of the verse, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. You were created to do something in the world, and when you have a moment in your life where you say, God, my top priority isn't my paycheck or my comfort, but what did you create me to do, and then you set your hand to it, I believe the Lord rejoices. To see that. Um, God called me about 10 years ago to write my first book. And I didn't write it just because I wanted to write a book. I wrote it because I wanted to help churches understand how the world was changing. And I remember before that book became a national bestseller, I remember sitting down at the kitchen table at 12:30 a.m. and Jack was a newborn, and I mean life was not easy. And I remember writing that first sentence of that book. And it was a humble beginning on my computer from college that I was still using that would occasionally blank out and lose all my work. But my, my motive wasn't to write a bestseller. It wasn't to you know, get any of the things that come with that. It was to help. And the point is, is this. You have a gift that God has placed in you to help others. Here's the next insight from God for your day job. Work for the reward you want, not for the pay you are presently getting. Work for the reward you want, not for the pay you're presently given. Now, as I've already alluded in this message, if you want to say work for the paycheck you want, you can do that. But I believe the reward is way bigger than the paycheck. But here's the principle, and this is a principle of economics. The, all truth is God's truth. And the word of God speaks to economics a lot. But here's the principle. If you do work at a higher level than what you're getting paid, someone else is going to see that, and eventually they're going to hire you and pay you what you're worth. Do it long enough. Flip side's also true. You got a great job, great benefits, great salary, and you're like, this is pretty easy. I can just kind of show up, check in with a few people here and there, check social media all day. I'm, I, this is awesome. I don't even have to work, and I'm getting paid. Guess what? You're eventually going to get paid what your work is worth. It's a kind of irrefutable, it's like physics. There's these laws of economics. Create a service or product of value. Do it well. Be consistent over years, and the fulfillment, the rewards, will build. And one day, you will kind of sit back and you realize, wow, this is where I'm at. This is the richness of people who've been helped, or this is the richness of my reputation in my industry, or this is the richness that when I could have gone for a job that just had a higher paycheck, I said, "Mm, I value the wealth of being with my family. That's part of wealth. And I'm actually going to go for the job that doesn't make as much because I interpret wealth the way God does. You just keep doing what God says, being faithful at what he's gifted you at, and the day will come. That you look back and you say, wow, I cannot believe this is where I am in the world. Do it as a valiant act of service and love. That's how actual wealth is built. Wealth of reputation, wealth of relationships, wealth of fulfillment, wealth of satisfaction. Leave every job or every night you put your head on the pillow knowing I served God today by serving others. People will eat because of what I did, or people will be warmed because of what I did, or other people will be able to do their part in the world because of what I did. Finish each day knowing you didn't merely use people. You didn't use customers. You didn't even use an employer to get a paycheck. Instead, you contributed, you gave, you built, you produced. Proverbs 12 says this, work hard and become a leader. Now, the point isn't that you have to be a leader to be good in God's eyes. This is just a principle. You work hard enough at your job. Your manager's going to notice or their manager is going to notice. And eventually, faithful with little, faithful with much. They're going to ask you to be responsible for more. On the other hand, be lazy and become a, a, a slave. If, if you're lazy, you're not going to actually have the freedom, the wealth of freedom that you have if you work hard. Do excellent work and you will find excellent customers. Or an excellent employer. Do lousy work, and and you'll find lousy customers and a lousy employer. Sloppy work, same thing, middle-of-the-road work. You are ridiculously in charge of your life in this this way. And and when we asked those questions at the start, maybe you said, I don't know, am I working for the right person? Am I in the right career? One way to apply all this is if the company you're working for doesn't have these values, they're not actually helping people. Then look for a place that does, because you're going to be far more fulfilled when you're in an environment where these are the values. And if you're an owner or a manager, be intentional to say, we're going to create these kind of values that we're actually helping others. There's value and worth and productivity every day, wherever you're employed, because you showed up. And if you hadn't been there, there would be worth and value that wouldn't be there because you're made in the image of God who creates. Well, as you work in the most mundane, even non-spiritual job, you can actually be investing in human souls. And this is where there's, there's kind of two levels to all this. If, you're, if you want to only think about yourself and only make money, a lot of this can actually be leveraged that way. My hope and prayer for you is that as you find new life in Christ, you're able to show up and you're able, as you're at work, to say, God, I'm here to help others as unto you. And you're praying for the people you work with. You're thinking, God, what are you doing in their lives? That's where eternal wealth generation starts to get created. You know, God describes in his word that someday all of planet Earth will be melted down. So all the gold, all the cars, all the homes, all the real estate, it's all going to be melted down. By the way, did you know that Jesus is working right now? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. He's working on a way better world that all who've trusted in him. That's where we'll spend eternity. And so you can work for wealth in this life, but the real insight is work for the wealth of eternity. You don't earn your salvation, but once you receive that as a gift from God, you say, God, how have you called me to use my gifts? Yes, to provide physically for my family and generate enough wealth to provide our needs while we're here on earth, but more importantly, as I go about that, who are the eternal souls that won't burn up, that will live somewhere eternally? that you're calling me to rescue and reach, and I want to show you an inspiring story of that. Uh, Angie Cooper is a dear sister here in our church family, and actually, this story is really personal for me, because when Mel and I first moved here from California, a move that, by the way, was uh, where there were other jobs that there was more money, but it was like, this is where we want to build the life, where we can spend time with our kids, and, and build the kind of culture we want to be part of. Once we got here, we were kind of these strangers that everybody knew in town. And sometimes it was a little difficult dropping our kids off at school or other places, but there was this preschool worker who's part of our church, Angie Cooper. And every day that I got to pick up Evie from preschool, Angie would just have the biggest smile, even if it was... 10 degrees outside, and she's out there walking the preschoolers to the car, she'd always have this huge smile. And Evie would talk about just how loved she was by this teacher. Well, as I've gotten to know Angie and her family in these last few years, uh, they're just amazing followers of Jesus. And I wanna show you a true story of what it looks like to show up at your job saying, I'm here to serve others as unto God and I have an eternal view of it. Go ahead and take a look.
1: I had Angie's youngest son in preschool at the Early Childhood Center. Um, And then at semester, our director had said that Angie had interviewed for the position as an instructional assistant in a different room and she got the position. And at first, we were like, oh, a parent, you know, a student's parent, like, how's that going to work? And Angie just jumped right in uh, with both feet, just didn't skip a beat. It was like she'd been there for years, and we've been pretty close ever since. I'd say so.
2: She was the kind of person that was very dependable. You could always count on her. She always w- was the same, just extremely helpful, always willing to jump in whenever necessary, um, Just. Always happy to be at work and somebody that you'd always want in your corner. You know, your workplace is your ministry, it's your mission field, you know. And so I really made a point of starting to pray about how God could use me in my workplace. And it was when I started really praying that, that God seemed to open doors for me to be able to talk to people. Um, and
1: people started coming to me and asking me to pray with them and pray for them. She was just like, can I you know, can I please pray for you? And I was like, oh my gosh, like, yes! Like, I didn't know how much I needed that until she asked, you know? Um, and it was just, that was really kind of the point where I was like, oh, what, you know what church do you go to? And she's like, oh, I go to Connection Point. I'm like, is this new? She's like, no, we've been going for years. I'm like, tell me more, like I want to know more. I was baptized Serbian Orthodox. I was um, baptized as a baby. As an infant, I didn't have, you know, say. It was my family. Our church was very traditional, um, and most of it was in a different language. So, when we started coming to Connection Point, um, it was a little hard, kind of explaining what we were doing. Um, we just had to kind of put our faith in what we thought was best at the time, and it was rough. I didn't know nearly as much, even the just the basic stuff. That my, you know, at then my four-year-old was like, "Hey, what's this and that?" and I had just had a lot of questions, and Angie answered a ton of questions. She got me my life application Bible. We started a, at the Bible study. It's been going great, and it's a lot of fun. It, it allowed me to dig deeper and find some answers
2: to things that I hadn't looked at in a while, or maybe never before. One of her questions I remember was, "You know, how do I get ready for Easter?" And I thought. Well, for Easter. What, are we supposed, what am I supposed to be doing getting ready for Easter? Yeah, because it was different. It was different and, and I knew that her, she came from such a traditional background and I thought I don't even know do we have any real tradition? so it kind of forced me to look into some different resources and get some answers myself. I just found it incredibly encouraging that she had that childlike faith and she was super hungry for it and, and just question after question and it, it just stirred my heart to just remember what it is like to be at that place where you are excited and just wanting more. And so I woke up uh, to this text message from Stephanie um, and it says, Happy Thanksgiving. I am thankful for you. You have guided me in so many ways. I hope I can be half of the mom you are, the follower of Jesus you are, and the friend you are. In my heart of hearts, I believe you and Jesus led us to Connection Point Christian Church at the exact right time. Love you. And that for me. I mean, it was just such an answer to my prayer because I was really praying that, that God would lead me in my workplace, and this was evidence of that. This was evidence that I had, he had allowed me to, to bring somebody alongside me and just to, to lead her to him.
0: Isn't that beautiful? Let's celebrate that. That, by the way, is true wealth. That is eternal wealth. That is fulfilling life. That is showing up at what you're called to do and saying, I'm here to serve others as unto God, walking with God and asking God, God, what are you doing in the lives of my coworkers? Uh, and then as Angie was led by the Holy Spirit to have the boldness to say, can I pray for you? And not knowing if the door will get slammed or if she'd get the response that she got where it's like, yes, please do. Now, something you saw in that video was Angie and her group of other ladies as they're studying the Bible. A part of as you grow in Jesus, you need to have a group of people around you. Uh, Mel and I are in a small group where it's couples. So we have small groups that are all women, small groups that are all, all men, small groups that are young professionals, small groups that are retirees, and small groups that are every kind of mix you can imagine. And I know in me and Mel's small group, almost every week we meet on Sunday nights, we end up talking about our work because that's where most of us adults spend most of our week, And we're able to share with each other, uh, here's what I'm praying about, or here's a situation. And then we're able to check in throughout the week. Hey, how did that meeting go? Or how did this go? And if you don't yet have a group, I'd encourage you, if you're online, text the word groups. uh, Actually, group without the S, I believe, to the number on the screen. If you're here in the building, down at our fitness center, which is the other end of the building, we actually have a small group fair today, so you can find your group. Now, I'm going to give you the sixth God insight to your day job. You just saw it modeled by Angie, and it's this. Work like God is your boss. Work like God is your boss. I love Proverbs 16, verse 3. It says this, commit your work to the Lord. So those of you who uh, you're praying about, do I make a career shift, or do I switch to a different company, or uh, whenever... Whenever you're thinking about work, God says, Proverbs 16, commit it to him. God, I want to be good at what you've called me to do. I want to be doing what you've called me to do. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans, God says, will be established. Part of that word commit is the idea of submit. It's like you're giving him the blueprints. Saying, God, is this what I'm supposed to do? Lead me in the life you've created for me. 1 Corinthians 16, do everything in love. You see how this principle of I'm not just here for a paycheck, I'm here to serve others. The more you follow Jesus, the more you become like Christ. This is all woven together. Give God your motives. God's looking for hard workers to bless, I believe. You see it all through scripture. Moses was a hard worker, Noah was a hard worker, Peter and Paul were <laughs> incredibly hard workers. God's looking for hard workers who he can bless to create eternal wealth. And sometimes it's wealth in this life. I'll give you one more story about that. This is an interesting one. I've got a pastor friend in Jacksonville, Florida. They recently built this huge multimillion-dollar outreach center um, to help the homeless folks and help addicts there in Jacksonville. And I was asking him, hey, what's the story behind this outreach center? He said, John, it's really a fascinating story. Uh, We had a little old lady in the church who was not a college graduate, now, by the way, I'm not against college. That just has happened to be a coincidence today with some of these stories. But um, she started working at A&P Grocery when she was 18. She was just bagging groceries. She was just a grocery store clerk. And she worked at that from 18 to about 78. She just enjoyed it. And she'd show up every day with a, a heart to help others. She was faithful here in church. She would teach Sunday school to the little kids and kids. You know, she always just lived in kind of a humble little house and drove older cars. No one would have thought anything of this little old lady who worked at the grocery store. Well, God called her home to heaven, and the church had a beautiful memorial service for her, and uh, then a couple weeks later, the pastor got contacted by an attorney. This little old lady who was the grocery store employee had left her estate to the church. And the pastor thought, oh, that's so beautiful. It's like the widow's mite, you know. There's not a lot, but it, it means a lot in the sight of God. And then the attorney said, oh, by the way, here's how much her estate is worth. It's $4.5 million. And the pastor said, how in the world, <laughs> how in the world did she have $4.5 million estate? And he said, well, when she was 18 and she signed up to work, she said she'd take a third of her pay in stock. She never traded any of that stock, she never played the stock market, she just showed up every day and cared for people and helped them bag their groceries, and that stock over 60 years of A&P Grocery is now worth 4.45 you know, million. and her house is worth 50 grand, so there you go. <laughs> and that, that's the beauty of, of just being faithful, but I do want you to think of this, the wealth if you will live God's principles in your life, you will generate more actual wealth than you would if you weren't. And that wealth is given to you to help others. And I do want you to think, as you go out and apply these principles, some of you, you could be here, you could be in your 20s or 30s, and 20 or 30 years from now, you're an electrician, you, you might have a multi-million dollar company, or you might be faithful at A&P, or you might just be faithful at, at whatever else. And Maybe the numbers aren't what humans would say, wow, that's amazing, but the point is this. You use what God has given to you to invest in his kingdom then. While you're here and then uh, for some of us, the moment we breathe our final breath and we wake up in heaven, if we leave what God entrusted to us we say, I'm going to leave this to a ministry that makes disciples, it might be the biggest contribution of your life for the kingdom of God when you wake up in heaven and it unlocks a bunch of resources that God gave to you to get you through life. But now that you're through life, you've left them to work. For the kingdom of God. Well we've covered a lot. I just want to give you two resources. If this material is speaking to you. And you want to go deeper. There's a book called Living the Life You Were Meant to Live. Written by a follower of Jesus. It will help you identify. Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Is my life balanced? Am I creating actual wealth? The second one is called the Templeton Plan. uh, By a little boy who grew up in the great depression. Who became uh, one of the greatest investors. Of the 1900s. Um, Built a multi-billion dollar empire by investing in companies that actually bring value to others. Also a follower of Jesus. And he wrote a book with 21 steps to help you in your day job. Uh, You will benefit from that book if you have a day job. So I'm going to close with these questions. Reflect on your life. Okay, question number one, who's your customer? Who are you serving when you show up to work every day? Uh, Maybe you're in healthcare. And that's really obvious. Maybe you're a teacher, it's just this reminder, like I'm there to help a specific person who's made in the image of God, who God loves, that's why I work. What valuable product or service are you giving to them? Next question, if you have an employer, how much value are you bringing to your employer? Are you just kind of clicking by the hours or are you really showing up bringing value? Next question, have you been thinking of serving and helping your customers as unto God in your daily work? Uh, If you'll, and these will be in our small group study guide as well, if you'll reflect on these this week, it could change your job, it could change your career. It's, It's a mindset change, it's a heart shift. It says, I'm here to be like God and serve others, and that's the most important question. Have you invited God in? Just like we saw Angie do, have you invited God in looking to Him as your boss. Let me pray these things for you. Father, Lord, I just uh, smile thinking about the implications of this message. Because these truths from your word, Lord, I've seen them in in just dozens of lives uh, change people's trajectories. Give them fulfillment, give them joy, surprise them. And Lord, I, I just pray over every person who's listening right now that in this moment we would just say, Jesus. Uh, your King, your Lord, your God. If you create and if you're preparing a place for us now, help me to be a faithful worker in your kingdom. And Lord, in this world, may I see eternity. May I work faithfully to help others, connecting them to you and and providing their needs just like you do, God. Lord, make us a church, a, a, a movement of people as we go out into schools and courtrooms and police cars and all the different areas that all of us serve in, and homes and all around, that we would shine like lights in the darkness because we show up to serve others as unto you and we walk with you as we do it. May we do this all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services all of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P, dot news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us, and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.